You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Chris Bennett, and I help connect businesses with tech freelancers, and I'm your host. Perfect. Um, hello, everybody. Um, hello to all our guests. Um, and um, yes, let, let's crack on. We've got some people filtering in now, which is fantastic. So if you can hear us, um, we're glad you've uh, joined us today. Um, the event we're talking about today uh, is tech freelancing in Sweden. Um, and on the right hand side, you will see a chat box of which you're going to be able to write some questions um, that I'll ask the, uh, uh, the guests we've got here today. Uh, probably probably later on as we've got some um, organized questions already. Um, we'll also be putting some polls up on the right hand side. So please vote uh, and then we can get some data uh, from the event. Um, and today's event will probably last anywhere between 25 to 45 minutes, depending on um, the engagement levels and, and, and the extra questions probably. Yeah. So in the interest, uh, I'm the one who's uh, running the event. I'll go first. So if you've not heard of me or, or spoken to me before, my name is Chris Bennett. I'm the Nordics Divisional Director here at Evolution Recruitment. Um, and we focus on placing uh, tech freelancers into some of the biggest customers in and around Sweden. Uh, we also have a passion of adding value to communities before doing business with them and hence why we're running the event like this today uh, today we've got three fantastic people um and freelancers all from various backgrounds and have different stories as to why they've started freelancing and we're going to dig a bit deeper into into some of those stories so let's do some um introductions um Anders, can you go first sure um uh, my name is Sanders Martini. I, um, I've been a Java backend developer for uh, eight or nine years, give or take. I've uh, been a freelancer for uh, about a year and a half now. Um, I uh, had the good fortunes of starting my own company uh, the very same month that Corona took off, and it was an interesting experience. But hey, I made it, and uh, yeah, I think... Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was close there for a call, for a while, but <laughs> but yeah, I was I was kind of unlucky, I guess. But it, it worked out in the end, and uh, now everything is is uh, going well, I suppose. Perfect. Where where are you working at the moment, Anders? So I'm currently in between assignments. I just had my last day at uh, Dice uh, uh, like a week ago, and uh, I will be starting at King in January. And, and your specialty is like back backend software engineering. Yes, exactly. Uh, microservices and uh, scalable systems. Perfect. We'll go into a bit more detail of why you went freelancing in a minute, uh, but we'll just mm -hmm. go around the room. Uh, Wes, Sam, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Wesam Abdrabi, and uh, I am an independent software engineer and a freelance consultant based in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, I'm currently located uh, at a client, Swedish client called Economy, who's a new player in the field of uh, impact tech, or fintechs with uh, more a focus on 
um, advocating for action towards climate crisis uh, mitigation and so on, uh, but from the fintech perspective. So I have the role of uh, mobile tech lead. Uh, I lead uh, a mobile uh, team uh, of uh, three developers who are mostly doing the mobile products related to the economy's uh, portfolio. And I'm originally an iOS developer. Uh, my main focus for the past around seven years or so was uh, iOS development. And I'm a freelance consultant, also like Anders, since the start of COVID. So uh, a bit over a year, maybe. Uh, and uh, before that, I was still also in consultancy, but working for companies here. So that's basically. Perfect. Wesam, if possible, could um, just uh, maybe the sensitivity on the mic is a bit low. Yeah. Uh, if you oh. could, yeah. I can start screaming a little bit because yeah. it's always hard to, to say how low on <laughs> Yeah, don't worry. I'll tell you what, I'll give you like a, one of these if you need to speak yeah. a bit louder. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, no, thanks for that, Wesam. Um, and then finally, Max. Yeah, hello. Hi, uh, my name is Max. Max Williamson. Um, so I'm a data scientist or data engineer. Um, so background, I've worked probably as for about 14 years before starting freelancing. So then worked in companies, lots of different um, small, big companies. Um, worked as a developer, data engineer, data scientist, management consultant. So had this sort of wide variety of roles, but kind of mostly within tech. Um, and most of my career was in, in uh, financial industry. And uh, actually most of it was probably outside Sweden as well. So I was, I was in, in the UK and, and Hong Kong for 12 years, I think, before coming back uh, 2019. And then went freelancing earlier this year, actually. Perfect, perfect. Um, and you're over at King too. I'm a King, yes, yes. You're at King as well. Uh, so we've got two King, one economy. Um, obviously, quite well known Stockholm Customs. Actually, both of those now. Um, so, um, like I said, let's go through some questions. Uh, one of the biggest things I think people in this audience is just understanding that you actually are normal people. Yeah, you've just made the jump. So I suppose let's go around around the table and let's discuss kind of why did you start freelancing? Yeah, and talk us through those kind of early first steps. So Anders, if you could go first, that'd be brilliant. Sure. Uh, well, I basically wanted to start freelancing because I have uh, some ideas, some business ideas that I want to explore that require a lot of capital that I just couldn't figure out how to build in any other way than being freelancing. Um, I'm still uh, working up that capital, uh, but uh, getting getting closer. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically why I decided to to go into freelancing. How, how long have you kind of you been had that dream of kind of building something yourself? Uh, for a while, I guess, um, like three or four years, probably. Okay, and, and and then talk us through it. How how did that? How how did it start? Then how did you make that first jump? How did you kind of make the decision to go? Yep, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go for this. Um, well, mostly I just I just felt ready for it. Like I just I just felt like uh, I I had I had owned my skills sufficiently to be able to make it on my own, and uh, I had a CV that was strong enough to for me to be confident that I could get clients on my own without the backing of a major uh, consultancy firm, which I had before. Uh, and uh, yeah, then when I felt ready, I just uh, made a decision and took a chance. Did, did you do the um, hand the notice in, then find a freelance assignment, or did you manage to find a freelance assignment then? How did you do it? Uh, I first started uh, the company, um, and then because I had a... Um, uh, three month notice on my uh, on my uh, employment. Uh, I uh, I handed in my notice first and then started looking for assignments because uh, I figured that most people that want uh, that want to hire a consultant they want them to start like pretty soon. So I didn't really see much point in spending too much time uh, in the in the beginning of those three months at least to um, to search for clients. Instead, I focused on doing all the paperwork with the tax authorities and so on. Um, but then uh, with about one month left, I started looking. It took like a week and I had a client, um, uh, which was uh, Nordic Choice Hotels. That was a... Was that, new... was that through us? Yeah, that was through you. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're the one, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was a little bit unlucky uh, at first. <laughs> I signed with a hotel client uh, like a week before Corona hit <laughs> and uh, then Corona hit and they lost all of their business and like started closing down hotels and they were like, you know what, this developing a new software platform, it's nah, it's not going to happen. So I think it was like three days before I was supposed to start or maybe a week or something like that. They just called me and said like, hey, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to have to cancel this contract. Like don't even, don't even come here to start. So that was. Uh... <laughs> I do remember that on this. You're one of the three people. We actually only lost three people, yeah, because of COVID, and you were one of them. <laughs> oh God, that's funny yeah. times. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> um, and then Wesam, um, just tell us a bit about yourself in terms of kind of that. Why did you start freelancing, and um, and what were those early steps in terms of making that that move? Yeah, uh, I started to freelance because uh, after a few years as an employed consultant, um, I realized that this is the only model that makes sense um, compensation-wise and also preference for me as to own the kind of assignments that you do and uh, also your time, basically. So if you want to take a few months off and shift your attention to something else, like a like whatever another project or or just actually not working at all uh, that's also that's something that you own uh, but it's, it was mostly a decision based on like when i realized the gap uh, between my uh, salary as a full-time consultant um, employed by a consultancy firm and how much this firm is charging per hour for my work um, so 
I realized that a few maybe months or maybe a year into the business, uh, because I, I really entered the consultancy business, not really knowing what it what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm a software engineer. I knew how to be a software engineer, but I wasn't really sure what this job is about or what are the additional gimmicks to it or any, anything of that sort. So the, the longer I stayed, the more I understood about how it works also in Sweden. Um, so, but being being also here on a work permit and as an immigrant, it's not super easy to shift between different modalities of work very easily. So I had to stay with this model for a while until I was able to shift because of like uh, work permit issues and so on. Um, but as soon as I could, I, I, I did the research. I talked to a lot of people who have done same thing because it, in my opinion, it, it, it takes it like a like it's a light bulb. Like you see that it's actually the only <laughs> method that makes sense in this uh, kind of setup and market. So I talked to a lot of people and uh, it felt a bit uh, uncertain and scary and uh, maybe uh, for some people, maybe even stupid to, to let go of a, of a stable, you know, well-paid job uh, for the complete unknown, you know. But uh, for me, it, it checked all the right boxes. So, uh, so and I had the time to do the research because I, I, I had to wait for a few years to be able to do it. And then uh, that was it. I, I, when I when I was ready, I applied and and started off. You're you're muted, I think. Classic, <laughs> classic, and the first one, unbelievable. Um, so what what how do how did you do it, with Sam? Did you hand your notice in with your current customer, and then try try and find assignments, or did you manage to do it uh, vice versa? Uh, I was I was lucky that I had a very good relationship with my employer, the consultancy firm that I was working for at the time, and I talked to them very openly about uh, my decision. Maybe a year before I I, I was about to take it, I told them that uh, my plan is that by the end of the year I would do this, just so you so you know and uh, and so on. So basically, when it was time. Uh, they 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 suggested that I stay with the client that um, that I was at, which is very unusual. Uh, but the, 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 it was wow. the beginning of COVID, so I guess they are they were a smaller scale uh, consultancy, and I guess they didn't want to lose a big client, so it was for them a good thing to to keep me, even if as a subcontractor. Uh, so I was lucky to to have the safety of the client wanted to continue and um, and I stayed with them until I was able to find something on my own. It wasn't the most perfect like uh, deal because there were so many people in it, but uh, but it was perfect when it comes to like a transitional phase. I had to I I got to keep the assignment running until I was able to find uh, the, the assignment that uh, the first assignment on my own basically. Fantastic. So it seemed like um, the fact that you built up such a good relationship almost gave you an, an easier way into that because you were so transparent. Mm. Very interesting that, Wesam. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and finally, Max, yeah, tell us about your story. Yeah, uh, sure. So the reason for why I decided to be a freelancer, um, probably a combination of things. I think the the main thing is probably very similar to Anders um, that I wanted to 
sort of set something up myself, like uh, working on other projects, like setting up like some business. Um, also, wasn't of hundred percent sure in, in kind of what area, but I thought being a freelancer sort of gives you that freedom to, you know, you take a break from from assignments or you do in parallel, um, and then also you have that a bit more cash that you're under. So I think that's that's definitely like you can build up that buffer a bit more. You, I mean, because you choose what you do with like money that you you get in, you choose what you to do with it. You can take out salary or you can you know reinvest it in the business. So it's a bit more freedom there. Um, and then the other thing I think, I mean, I've worked in lots of big different companies, big and small, and there's always sort of that corporate culture and you know the kind of the whole career progression and you have a boss basically kind of charge your career. And I think in the beginning of my career, I thought that was very exciting and I and I like that. And then I kind of realized now that I don't really need that anymore. And I thought, um, sort of, yeah, I feel a little bit past that kind of thing. So that, that was also a driver for me to sort of get away from the, the corporate politics, basically. When did you realize that you didn't need it? Was it... Um an age was it an amount of years in the same position or what was the kicker yeah good question i think it's like when i started my fourth new company and i was like well it's just same same old thing and same you know like different sort of frameworks and employee communication and stuff and, and i just thought it's, it doesn't really matter so much anymore i thought um yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure if there was like one specific event. I think it's just sort of up. But um, yeah, I think that was that was definitely the driver. Um, and and did did you do the leave the company and then find it? Yeah. Or yeah. So you... yeah, yeah. So I did um, I did some research as well because I think like just like Anderson West Summer had you know I felt there was a little bit sort of I wasn't. 100% sort of uh, comfortable with just kind of leaving and then and then um, basically having nothing, um, which I hadn't done before. I was uh, secured a role before I, you know, make the job, basically. So I did a lot of research. I talked to to um, different agents and, and recruiters and just to kind of get a feel for the market. Um, and I think I I talked to other consultancy firms as well. And, and sort of realized that they were very keen to get me. And then I thought, if they're keen to get me, then, then they could probably place me somewhere. So why, why couldn't I do that myself? Um, and then I realized that you tend to need, like it's, you, you tend to be need to be available for these contracts because they, they come and then it's like, we need someone in, in two weeks. So, so you can't really have that confidence of getting a contract first, unless you're lucky like, and you can continue with the same client. Um, I think you you need to sort of make the jump and, and resign first, and then you find the contract. So I, I did that, and I had I had a bit of a buffer, so I you know financially I would be okay, um, and it was fine. I mean, there was I think I had basically a week, uh, which I asked for from that I left my previous employment to I started my first contract, and I, I wouldn't have minded having like actually longer. So. Uh, yeah fantastic no cheers for that max 
Um, you've, you've mentioned some benefits, all three of you, in terms of um, the benefits of freelancing. But is, th is there anything that you've found beneficial that you didn't actually mean to find, I suppose? So not the reason why you started freelancing, but one of the benefits that has happened because of it. Have you got anything on this? Mm. Uh, maybe I can uh, pass this one on to uh, Wisdom for now and give it a think. I... Yeah, I, I feel like it was more or less. I I, I found what I expected, mm -hmm. but um, maybe I I kind of also learned how to value myself more. Sounds a bit cliche, but mm. it actually it was something. It is like a like a, a side effect of all of this process that you kind of have to know how to value yourself in order to be able to sell yourself. Uh, so you're not waiting for your boss to tell you how good you are, or you know, for career progression or or anything. You have to you have to be aware of how you're progressing yourself and, and what kind of skills you need to move forward and so on. Uh, and there are a lot of other like soft skills, like we're all here like tech people and we're maybe good at what we do on, in this from this perspective, but there are other uh, soft skills that you have to learn about running a business, about like this kind of business sense, because you are running a business, even if you're not doing your own bookkeeping or and so on, but you have to be on top of your your work and uh, what's your next gig and so on. So it's kind of this business sense that's developed. Um, I guess you have to have a touch of it to start with, but it, it, if you want to develop it, it uh, it's very easy to. So th these were two things for me that uh, that were kind of side effects. Of the and, 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 and do you mean that valuing yourself on a monetary level as well? Uh, yeah, I guess in, in all on all levels, like, you know, you know how to value yourself because you know how to position yourself um, um, when it comes to money, when it comes to rate and so on. Uh, it's not, you don't shy off saying how, how much you think you're worth per hour or something like that. So it becomes like a, a normal thing. Um, so in, in all different perspectives and, uh, but mostly yes, also to how to value yourself from that perspective, mostly, yeah. Max? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that in terms of like the kind of benefits I didn't expect, I mean, there's, there's some that, that like, you know, I kind of expect I could start working in my company and, and all that stuff. So that was good. But I think that what I liked about it that I didn't really realize so much was that um, you can actually, a little bit like what Wesson said, that you can choose more yourself. I said, man, you can. I mean, you can basically choose your own assignments. There's not like a, a boss telling you, you know, now you need to work on this or you, you do this. And it's it's a lot easier, I find, to do that with a six-month contract than if you're going to, you know, look for another term role because it'd be, you know, you start there doing one thing and then three years later you do something different. Like you, you have some power of that. But I, I feel I have more control when you know, choosing contracts. Um, and then I think it's also this whole thing with like the, the corporate um, culture, like it's, which I've 
come to realize more. Uh, I think when I started, I was like, when I see people doing these sort of staff meetings and stuff, and I'm, <laughs> I can just stay out of that and just let them do their thing. Um, I think that's that's quite nice. Um, so yeah, I think that and just kind of focusing on the work. You just yep. go somewhere and you do you do what you're good at, basically. I think that that's that's something I like about it. Yeah. Anders, is it um, thought of anything? Yeah, uh, a few things actually. Um, so, yeah, firstly, I, I do agree. Like, you, you have more freedom to sort of not only to pick your own assignment, I would say, but also to like how you want to expand your skill set. Um, uh, like, I, I worked as a, I was a hired consultant or an employed consultant uh, before I went freelance, and I mean, obviously, they would want to try and sell me on only the positions where I had the most experience because they could fetch the best price that way. But like now I can, I can little bit, I have a little bit more freedom to go like, Hey, this is something I want to try. And maybe I won't get the highest possible price if I do this thing that I don't have so much experience in, but I get to learn it. So that's sort of a, a fun piece of extra freedom that I hadn't really thought of. Um, yeah. And another thing that, uh, became obvious since uh, work from home happened at the same time uh, is that like with your own company, you can really like, there's no limit to your home setup, what it's going to be like, you can just have anything, just, just pick. So I, th I think that like most companies, like the company I, I was employed was pretty generous. But there wasn't upper limit on how much I could spend on like uh, uh, computer equipment and so on. Um, uh, but now that I that I'm freelancing, there basically isn't a limit. I, and so I have like a really nice. Since I'm working from home now, I, I put quite a lot of money into having a really nice home setup, uh, and that has been worth a lot to me. I think. Uh, and it's I mean one. Back in the day, in the before times, when we all went to an office, it didn't really matter. But now that we all work from home, it it, it makes a big difference. Love it. Cheers for that, Anders. Uh, I'm looking at a few of the questions coming in. Um, so, again, uh, you don't need to all answer this, but if anyone wants to chip in, uh, one of the questions um, was, what is the biggest challenge while looking for a new assignment? Probably quite a good question, that. Has anyone got any thoughts on that? Not accepting the first offer you get is <laughs> by far the hardest part for me, at least. Sounds like the title of a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, I, I, that is, like, at least I have this, like, oh, I got an offer, I gotta, gotta take it. But actually, it's it's better to hold off and wait and make sure that you get that you pick the right offer. And, and I think that's, at least for me, that that that's that was a big challenge. Max, anything? Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's a very good point. Um, I think in the beginning, I just kind of I was also feeling like I just need to get something, um, but you realise pretty quickly that there are there are lots there. You just need to sort of, I mean, you, you might have to give it a month, but then if you're going to get like a six months or years contract, that that one month is doesn't really matter. Um, but I think, yeah, no, kind of spend your time, find the, the, the right one. I think it's, it's more about not like worrying so much about um, whether you get one or not. What about you, Wessam? 
Yeah, I think for me, it, it was, it's, it's actually the, the kind of the uncertainty of the, of, of the experience of uh, sometimes it's just everyone wants an iOS developer or some, like someone who, you know, to fill a role that I'm ready to fill. And then other times there's nothing. And there is, this is this, this is this business basically. It's, there is no challenge in uh, getting in touch with the right people who, whether they are like brokers or, you know, recruiters or whatever, because student is not a huge market and you, by time, you know, almost everyone. Uh, and maybe you would actually be able to come back to a, a client that you have been at a, a year ago or something. Uh, so it's just a it's, it's just a matter of how the market looks at the moment when you actually are looking for a new assignment. So for me, that's the only factor that is kind of a bit um, nerve-breaking. But I guess it gets older by or like it gets much easier by time, because the longer you do this job, the 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 more money you have, which means more safety, which means that if you are out of an assignment for a month or two, then it's fine. It's you're not like. I'll give you the next one, but they were more like, it's fine. I'm going to be out of an assignment for a couple of weeks or a month. Uh, so I can afford that because you keep paying yourself a salary, and, you know, but in the beginning it was a bit, it was a bit difficult, uh, but I was lucky that, uh, that the shift happened so fast, but I would understand this being the most difficult when it comes to uh, finding, finding something. We, we've, um, you're, you're all, you're all in disciplines that evolution know very, very well. And obviously this is why you're working with us at the moment. Yeah. And we know that um, all your disciplines are highly sought after. Yeah. And now people uh, are happy to take remote developers. You're even more sought after. Yeah. When thinking about new assignments or that gap in between uh, your assignments, do you have a limit on how many interviews you'll go for? Will you accept, will you do as many interviews as possible? How, how do you work work your way, do you speak to any broker? How, how do you like work, work your way around this minefield? Um, should I go? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I try to talk to brokers the whole time, basically. I think even when I'm on an assignment, it's I always it's good to have that contact um, to, to keep it up. But then obviously, I mean the, the first thing, like if I'm on a contact and I just tell them okay, so I'm on a contact too this time. So maybe we don't need to talk, like I'm not gonna be able to, to take it out. Um, but then if there's someone new I'm gonna talk to, then like I always sort of give my introduction and and um, there's send my CD over. Uh, so they, you know, because I think it's always good to have that, that contact. And I think, like, Russell says, that you, you do get to know everyone. Um, often you sort of get the same spec from, from multiple, um, like, because they, they go to obviously multiple brokers. So I, I think um, it's good to do that. And I think in terms of interviews, I think it's, for me, I need to sort of like a little bit of warm up when I start doing interviews. So I might even interview with, with roles that I'm not super keen on, just to kind of get that, get into the interview groove kind of thing before I go with the one. And then one of them will be the one that just, you know, really clicks. Um, so I think it's always 
it's always good to just take a few interviews. And, and sometimes you get surprised. So be like the company you thought, this is, I wouldn't want to work here at all. And they realize actually they seem, they do fun stuff and it's like, I like the people. So then, then they could also, you could be surprised. So I'll, I wouldn't turn interviews or I wouldn't turn it down unless it's like very long. Honest? Yeah, I don't really have like a set limit. I do, I do like very rarely do I reach out to a recruiter. Uh, I do when I feel like maybe I want a new assignment soonish. I pick one in my inbox and reply. That's basically how I how I work. <laughs> uh, it's a very lazy way of working, I guess. But yeah. Um, I don't really have like a limit on how many interviews I'll do. I'll just like I'll I'll, I'll interview till I find something uh, interesting. And I mean, yeah, that, that it's it's so far. I think the the furthest I've, I've gotten is like four interviews, five maybe. I don't know, but like yeah. Okay. So that's, no, that's that's... Also, no, no, like I don't have a like. Yeah, I could go for a hundred if if need be, well, but so far that hasn't been necessary. So yeah, this is what I mean. It's like yeah, where's it end? I mean, we as an, an agency are pretty good at finding quite a lot of assignments, but yes. I'm not silly enough to think there's a, a, there's some very good agencies out there apart from Evolution that can find you just as many. Yeah, it's like sometimes I think where, where's the end point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wes, and what what are your feelings around this? Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always like giving a signal that I'm open for people to reach out to me in general, whether it's like a client directly or a recruiter or whoever has something interesting. Uh, but I learned fast to filter the requests. So I don't go to everything, but to a select of these things that I know are interesting and a good match and so on. So, because I, we know that like it's a waste of time from both sides. And, and I'm also on the other side of things now, and it's it's hectic to waste recruiting, like hiring managers and people like put a lot of time on this. So I try to go to the assignments that I, I establish a, a interest, a real interest in, uh, but I, I, I try to not limit my options. If there are options, sometimes it's only one assignment and, and that's it. But if there are options, then I want to see a couple of, uh, of, of these options at least. Uh, and sometimes it's, I, I get I get presented with a, just a single assignment, but it's it's great. So I don't I feel like I don't really need to keep looking. It's just good from the description from maybe the client is like a big client or like a good client. So I don't feel the need like uh, of like what am I missing out if I don't take this one or if I take this one. Uh, so it's I guess it depends. Uh, but I think the filtration thing is what um, what I like to do now. Right, just looking on the chat, we've got some, still got some good questions uh, and really enjoying the answers as well, so thank you. Uh, Martin has said, um, what parameters are key for you when accepting an assignment and how important is the rate for you personally? So I'll put that to the, the table. So I would say uh, the technology I'll be working with and just my like impression of uh, whoever's interviewing 
like if he comes across as very competent and skilled, that's a big plus in my book. Um, as for rate, I mean, for me, I kind of I tend to think of rate as the tiebreaker. Like if there are two assignments uh, that are like from a technical perspective equally interesting to me, and I feel that it'll be it'll be like equally fun, or at least I estimate that it will be equally fun, uh, more more or less. Uh, then I just let the, the whoever pays the most take it. And if they both pay the same, then then I roll a dice. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flip a coin would probably be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, what about you, Wesam? Yeah, I mean, very similar to Anders. Uh, I think I, I, when it comes to rate, it's 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 always for me a range. It's never a number, but it's mostly I my rate is between this and that because I know that different clients have. And it's also it depends on the length of the assignments. Sometimes the rate is high, but it's only for three months, and so on. So it's it's a combination, like usually time with uh, rate. So for me, I try to keep a range, but I never go. I was I'm like I'm never gonna below this this like lower bound uh, so that's usually when it comes to rate and then of course it's it's the assignment itself the role description how much of a good fit it is uh, to me a skill set and how much i would be able to grow into whatever i'm doing and so on and how much of a help i would be in the time of frame of the assignment because usually assignments are not like super extended but like uh, for a certain uh, period of time. So I was trying to understand what's needed for the assignment. Will I be able to deliver on that in this time and so on? Um, yeah, and the tech stack, of course, and all of that. And sometimes as a client, uh, some, sometimes I, I just want to work for, for this company or that company. So yeah, that kind of flips it sometimes for me. Is, is that to get it on the, your CV or is that just, is, is that like to build your resume up with, Oh, I've got X, Y, and Z clients. That means that's going to be good for me, or is that yeah, something I mean, else? I'm not going to say no because yes, there are clients to be good on your on your CV, to if you mm. put it. So mm. especially when you're starting, it makes things a lot easier later. But that's that was not really what I, I my meaning when I said the client. Sometimes it's not a big name, but an interesting name for you. Oh, I heard about this place and I really want to try their context or something like that. But sometimes I do accept assignments just because of the name, because I want it on, on my CV. It's, just, it's not the worst thing. No, you see it a lot. I mean, as recruiters, we do look for that type of stuff because I don't know, it's just something was kind of what's taught as recruiters to look for good names and good on profiles. And you kind of made a bit of a decision that might be a good person um max what about you uh yeah i think sort of similar um the i'm not sure what the top thing is but the, i think the cv thing is definitely important um and then it's not like it's not just like i don't know whatever name is always the best spotify like it's always best i think it's also it's a combination of of the company name um but also with like the technology she'd be working on so i might sort of i might want to get my cv to sort of in a certain direction or i might feel that i have like a, a hole that I want, you know technology that i want to get on there 
then I'll try to sort of look for roles to have that to, to, to sort of complete it. Um, so that's one thing, but it's kind of more, that's more towards the CV. But then I think it's also like when you look for a, a normal, like a permit, you, the, the people, do they seem, um, do they seem good, interesting? Like, would you want to work with them? And then I, well, I think I, I learned as well as like, in terms of the company, it like don't, I, I don't want to look too much at that anymore because I realize it's a company that seems really sort of like boring could be, it could be super interesting people and they could be working with like super interesting technology. So it's almost more about like that team within um, you know, the, the client company. So that's a lot. And I think in terms of rate, um, I think it's, I tend to sort of give my rate upfront, just to see that it's, this is kind of where I want to be. You think this is possible? And then, then that's usually set, like, the, you know, no one will, <laughs> will go kind of above the, the minimum rate that you say. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, what would you say? Like, they, they might kind of try to get it down by like, you know, um, and I think on that is, is, is there, is too easy, it's easy to sort of specify too low a rate to like not really realizing how much you are. Um, and I think, so, so yeah, don't be sort of shy with, with the rate and, you know, you can often get more than you think. With, um, if we're thinking about a lot of the people that are listening today and that will listen to this uh, on our Spotify uh, playlist, um, people will be wondering, how do I figure out my rates? Yeah, how do I, I'm in a permanent job at the moment, how much would I be worth in the consultant world? Yeah, just if you could say for the listeners, how did you come about like what to charge? Yeah, at that very, how did you think of that minimum? Like, just talk us through, and again, I put it to the, the floor, if anyone's got any advice on how people could do it or how you do it. Um, I guess I can start. Well, um, I had sort of a bit of a luxury because uh, since I was an employed consultant for freelancing, uh, I happened to know how much uh, I was, uh, oh, the, the company was charging for me per hour at my last assignment. Uh, and I figured, well, they've got, they've got people that are really good at negotiating. I am really terrible at negotiating. So I figured I'm probably going to aim a little bit lower than that. Cause like, there's no way I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> just, just like being honest with myself. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go a bit lower than that. Cause I can't negotiate for shit. <laughs> but so, um, uh, actually the first contract that I had was a really good, it was, it was very close, I recall, but then again, there was the hotel client that, uh, ended it. Uh, that kind of that kind of threw me in a panic, and then I just took the first assignment that I that I was handed, uh, which was a little bit lower than I would have wanted, but I had to make do. <laughs> How do you then? Um, so you've had three or four, technically three or four assignments, if you could include that, uh, mm -hmm. the Nordic choice. But then, how do you then decide when's the right time to up your rate? Are you just getting a feeling in terms of like chanting I, I, it or I how, how does it work? To, I try to at least 
like like I said, I'm really bad at this, so you shouldn't you shouldn't take my advice probably. But <laughs> but uh, what I try to do is each time I switch assignments, I try to get at least a little bit higher than the the one I had before. Um, uh, up until at least now, because I've actually I've like now I've reached where I was before about the same rate where I was before I started freelancing. I'm actually still slightly below, but I'm at least close in the same ballpark. Uh, so I've always tried to like up it, uh, but now I feel like I'm in, at a fairly good level, so I could possibly stay or I don't know, but it's probably a good idea to keep going upwards. Now, believe it or not, that's really good advice on this. Um, and it's the general theme, but I mean, uh, Wes, Sam, any thoughts around how how you thought of that first initial rate and and then how do you work around the when to up, when to go debt? Like, how do you work around the rest of it? Yeah, I mean, uh, similarly, I was also employed and I knew how much I was being, uh, my employer was charging per hour for me. Uh, so I had I had that as a start, uh, but I remember that with my initial research, the rate was also part of it. So I I met a lot of people and I and I asked people what are they charging for uh, similar people to my experience and, and a bit a bit higher uh, seniority and so on. So I would know the trajectory as well and. Um, and that was a very important input. And uh, and then also I asked the brokers and the recruiters and all of the people who I was meeting in the beginning, uh, I'm thinking about asking for this rate. Do you think it makes sense when it comes to the, because they have the, I mean, they have the kind of the general, um, they inspect the market. They know they know what, what what people are asking for and can tell you if this is crazy or, or if it's like in the range. Uh, so I, I I use these two uh, resources kind of to to get something, but then I made my mind made up my mind about the number that I initially uh, want to start with, uh, and with upping it's just by time you you gain this confidence, and I know that I mean we suck at this like a software it's not what we we're trained to do I guess, uh, but but we get better with with the confidence thing so. You start to see that oh, I'm actually good at this, and I'm actually. And you realize how how you compare to other people that you work with and other candidates that come by and so on. So this confidence uh, pushes you towards like the, the 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 like that you basically need to ask for your worth, or like you know you know your own worth, and you should name your price, like you say. Uh, by time you get the confidence to do this, just name your price. It's going to be okay. People are going to pay for that because you're worth it. <laughs> so that's the bottom line. Love it. Max. Yeah, I think similar. Um, I, when I started out, I talked a lot to different brokers and to get a feel for, for the market, like I should be. Um, but I think I'm also like, it depends a bit on roles as well. Like, I realized that different roles, they could probably pay differently. Um, so, and I think it's easy to, to go too low. Like you start off too low, um, not really realizing your rate. Um, so I think it's like, you can always push a little bit higher. And then until someone says something, then, then you're probably 
you know, so and and surely like I think if you go with an outrageous number, then the broker will probably say that you know that's too high. We can try, but that's probably too high. Um, but then and then also I think if you charge higher, then it's kind of like then you just say that I'm higher quality. So it's it's not like the price point kind of tells something about yourself as well. So you shouldn't basically don't be afraid of of uh, asking for more. I think that's the main point there. And I think I should. I'm a bit low now. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you advising people to until they've been told that's too much? You're probably not asking for enough. Yeah, kind of. I mean, yes. It's probably. not. Like, it's not bad advice. It's not bad I think advice. It's, yeah, because it's it's difficult to know. Um, and uh, I mean, try it. Like, like you can always try it. And sometimes, if it's a role I'm not super keen on. I'm just giving like a little bit of a higher rate to, to sort of throw it out there to see. I mean, they, if they say yes, then I know that that's probably reasonable. Like if they take me in for an interview, because I think that's what it is. Like if they take you in for an interview, then then um, at least it's feasible. And then, then we'll see. But then I often kind of check what's the budget. Sometimes they say, oh, that, that's just, they have a, up to this. And then, you know, you know pretty quickly what it is. I think. Um... I'm not the spe specialist on, um, uh, on on this show today, um, but I can definitely chip in um, with this after doing this for about eight years. And you've raised some really interesting points that the brokers are out there, they make money by placing you. Yeah. So if you say a ridiculous rate, they're just going to tell you. They're not going to not send you. If you've got a fantastic profile, they're going to say, oh, less I'm no maybe a bit less or no we can get that yeah um so it's in their interest yeah to represent you well um it's choosing the right brokers isn't it yeah choosing the right brokers that you've got a relationship with so the advice that max was saying before that he's got a relationship with a few brokers um uh, and, and making sure he stays in touch with them make sure he gives them a bit of something um i think that's some good advice and if you've never been told your rates way too high maybe that's something to consider as well um so no i think there's some brilliant answers there um is there just i'm looking at the time uh, we've had some brilliant conversations we do have some questions unanswered which will which we'll put in the uh linkedin um support group for swedish freelancers or freelancers in sweden sorry um, so we can answer some of those questions before. Um, but um, yeah, before we go, is is there any tips uh, that you would kind of give to people looking to go freelancing? Have a have a buffer uh, for about so that you can live with a salary for about I don't, I don't know two or three months at least. Um, possibly possibly even more if you want to like take your time, like we said earlier, that that, uh, that we think is a good advice. Uh, but yeah, like consider that first, you got to find an assignment. That'll be, I mean, if you take the first one, that'll probably be like a week. But uh, if you want to write one a little bit longer, then you got to work for a month uh, to send the first invoice. So that's uh, one month that you don't, that you're not getting any money. And then from you send your first invoice, there's usually another month until it's actually gets paid. And then 
once it gets it gets paid, then you can start paying out your salary, basically. So I would say, like, yeah, three months. I would say is the minimum sort of buffer uh, that you'd need. Uh, but that, yeah, that 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 would be that'd be my uh, my. I think the most important advice if you're looking to start your own. Anything for you, West Ham or Max? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I, I echo the, the buffer, definitely. Uh, I think that, that's definitely an important thing to have. Um, and then I think once you have that, you feel sort of comfortable with um, with that you don't have to sort of take out the salary, then, um, because it's obviously the big difference of, of like having kind of your buffer, because that in salary will cost a lot more because you have to pay tax and, and everything on that. Um, but then, also, I mean, don't like you have to basically resign first before it's almost like you have to resign, then wait a little bit and then start looking for, for assignments because no one's going to like depending on your notes period. But if you have three months, that's going to be that's too long to really look at an assignment. Um, so, but then I mean, I think it, it, it will be fine, like you, you'll find a, an assignment is, is usually. Should be fine, so uh, anything to uh, <laughs> anything, um, my Sam? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't add more much more to what Max and Anders said, and uh, I think something that could make things easier, um, is maybe find someone who's done it and talk to them, um, not necessarily one person, but like. A bunch of people maybe uh, get their experience. If you get to get a mentor, that would be great. Someone who's offering could offer their time because it's 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 just crazy how easy it is to do it in Sweden. Really, it's uh, it's not hard. It's not impossible, um, and you can anyone can do it. Really, uh, it just needs like this. Uh, do this. Do the research and have the buffer and so on. Uh, and and then it's very very doable. But maybe having someone who's done it, telling you all the small details, uh, would make your life easier. Great segue. Um, you'll all be invited into the Tech Freelance Support Network on LinkedIn. <laughs> so thanks for that, Wesam. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, was as um, eighty five people in Sweden in that in that group. We post three times a week uh, on advice into how to freelance um how to do your accountancy and stuff like that in fact we're going to have an accountancy come on on the show at some point early next year um to go through that and there will be plenty of people in that group uh that do similar um similar things in tech product or data uh which is what we focus on um apart from that uh we are going to finish here so if possible um jamie if you can um stop the show if possible hopefully he's listening in the background just a massive thank you to west sam max and anders uh massively appreciate your time um you, the information you've said is going to be really valuable to a few people out there um and people are saying in the, in the group um could share the link we'll send an email out with a link uh, i'll quickly put it in there now for people who are really eager um so feel free to join that um and yeah thank you cheers west sam cheers on cheers thanks max so bye, Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 bye bye